Welcome to the New Zealand Tech Podcast, presented by Paul Spain, Bradley Burrows and guests. Welcome to the NZ Tech Podcast. We are here with episode 31. Bing, baby, bing. Hey, we're not. You're not allowed to advertise products in here, Brad. Bing, 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 bing. You always make noises, but you're not allowed to make noises advertising uh, products. That's, uh, that's not it, allowed. It kind of is a bit of an advertising noise, isn't it? Mm, mm. It's one of those stupid so, phone uh, rings. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to get himself off the hook. Well, uh, welcome along, listeners. Thanks for uh, joining us on this episode of the NZ Tech Podcast. Uh, you're here with myself, Paul Spain. You've got Bradley Burrows. And Skip Parker. And I'm back in the studio with the team. Very cool, very, very cool. Good to have you back here in person. Yes. Skype was fun, but it's nice to be here in person. It is. It's always good. Um, and a little bit more laughter and, and, and hilarities, which um, have taken place before we started recording, but uh, hopefully there will be a little bit of that uh, mixed into the show as well. Yeah, it's all serious now. Oh, very serious. Now, uh, Windows 8, there's been a whole lot of information that um, Stephen Sanofsky from Microsoft has been uh, has been sharing on online. There's a whole blog mm. about all these little little snippets about Windows 8, which I guess aren't kind of the big news, but uh, there's there's been a few interesting bits, and the uh, there's been an announcement around media center capability. Yeah, so for, for people that listen to this show or listen for the first time, I'm a huge... Not Microsoft's Media Center fan, but just Media Center fan in general. I've got all of them at home pretty much. But they've announced now that they will be including Windows Media Center and Windows 8, which is absolutely awesome. But I've just read that in whatever release we get at build, it will not be included in that build in that release. So I'm a bit bummed. I would have liked to have seen it in, in a couple of weeks, but we'll have to wait a little bit longer. But surely that means uh, an improvement on the existing. Yeah, well, we don't know. I mean, he, I've read the blog and I've read a few other people's that have been trying to rip apart the current leaked builds that are out there. And um, <laughs> yes. there's there's not a lot that's going on with the Windows Media Center. But for them to acknowledge it's going to be there, I mean, my wish list is a tile-based interface that can hook in with Kinect-type devices, which allows you to do voice control very similar to what the current Xbox interface would be. Um, I'd also like to see some really, really good native mounting of ISOs built into Media Center. They've announced that they're going to do that in the operating system. And a better, um, uh, rather than having to pull in metadata for videos and movies from third-party tools, have it natively built in. So that would be my wish list. Stephen, if you're listening, please. Um, but yeah, I, I'm really, really pleased they're doing it. I was really worried they were going to drop the product completely and just have it as a Xbox-only styled well, um, it is one of those niche niche things, isn't it? I mean, yeah. not a lot of people run their run their home cinema, their TV capabilities through a PC, but there is a a large segment of the uh, the tech sort of enthusiast community that does that, right? Yeah, and I mean, obviously Google do it. Google have Google TV. Um, there's a lot more where I mean, I, I was shopping. But for that's a TV. not a particularly highly adopted product, and, and no. it doesn't run through a PC either. That's more. Well, a, they're building the PCs more into a it. Set-top type box, all built into a built into the TV itself, rather than media center, which is actually in most cases as a as a separate PC, quite separate from the TV in uh, terms of the device. I disagree with you on that. I, I, there's a lot of Windows um, embedded now going into TVs over in Japan. Which is a full blown Windows Seven built into a TV. I'm not. I'm not in Japan, Brad. No, but I'm just using that as an example. There's, I haven't seen any such devices launched into the retail market here in New Zealand. Oh, is no. what I'm saying. Well, we've got nothing in New Zealand, so we're, we're, <laughs> our, 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 our TV system is just 
<laughs> but in saying that, I've got a lot of friends that I'm actually who will watch TV off their PCs. Correct. Now. Yeah. So it's a it's a really fast growing trend. Like you wouldn't have this conversation with people a year or so ago. Now everyone seems to be doing it. Well, TV on demand. I think TVNZ has done a great job there at pushing out the TV um, TV on demand through the web portals. I mean, you were talking a couple of weeks ago how that's picked up dramatically. What was the stats that you gave us? It was like a 300% increase in traffic on the TVNZ demand side or something. I remember you rattling off. You're looking very confused at the moment. Uh, but yeah, well, it, I, didn't, I didn't give you those figures. Yeah. The audience stats are going through the roof. They are starting to go through the roof. Yeah. yeah. No, it, 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 is, uh, it is improving. Now, on, on, on that, it's a little bit of a... Um, uh, a related topic I have uh, because I that's how I operate most of the media in my home is through uh, is through my network obviously Netflix which we've discussed on many shows before and some of those other online uh, services and um, Windows Media Center through Windows 7 onto my Xboxes um, so I've made the jump this week to cut the cord on Sky TV. <gasps> I've cancelled my subscription. You've, and did they actually... Because I've heard people actually, when you try and cancel it, they throw things at you to keep your subscription. Did they do that too? Well, when because mine was a, sort of a discounted subscription anyway because I'm uh, I'm with Vodafone at home oh, yep. for my um, broadband. And the Vodafone guy said, oh, expect a call from Sky TV. They should call you within a day or two. Uh, in regards to you know returning your equipment, and it's sort of you know I got that impression that they probably would try and uh, try and keep me, uh, but I haven't had such a call yet. Um, and yeah, they said they'll call you yeah um, pretty soon, but hasn't happened. So can I ask why? I mean, is it? I mean, I'm interested because I'm in a position the only reason I keep, I, I keep Sky is because of the sports because I love my sport. If I could get that some other way. I wouldn't do it. So why have you got rid of it? So I'm not a mega sports fan, and the, for instance, Rugby World Cup uh, type stuff is going to be available on through other you know channels other than just Sky. So obviously I'm interested in in those games, and I'm just finding it's just not getting a whole lot of use. And now we've got the uh, Roku box, which we can watch news, you know, content on from you know various various providers, you know, directly. Mm-hmm. And with the Windows Media Center system, things such as you know news on whichever channels and uh, Campbell Live, th- th- those sort of various programs can all be pre-recorded, and I watch them later and skip the ads and so on. I don't need uh, to pay Sky to give me that content. And what I found was even on Sky, the majority of the content I'm watching actually is off free-to-air channels. Did you so, tell your wife you're doing this, by the way? Uh, yeah, well, we're 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 in the process of sort of of moving, so you know it was sort of like, well, we're not going to need this. We're going to move somewhere else. We and we're using Netflix so successfully um, in terms of getting movies that it's actually much better to watch a movie through Netflix yeah. or Zoom or one of the other channels. Uh, you know, either you know Netflix through what's in their catalogue, although that does seem to be shrinking a little bit, um, or other services like Zoom where you can pay. You know, iTunes, like renting yeah. a, a DVD and iTunes uh, to to get movies, that you know, paying a monthly subscription to Sky for maybe watching, you know, one or two movies a month is there wasn't really a whole lot of point. I mean, I recorded lots of stuff, yeah, but I didn't end up finding that I was watching that I was watching a whole lot of content that um, you know that was actually premium level content. 
See, if I could get a service where I could get the kids' channels because my kids love the Cartoon Network and I could get the sport, if I could, if I could consumerize that area down just so I could choose the blobs that I wanted, because the Living Channel, everything, yeah, I'm not too fussed about that. If I could really lock that down or pay per channel, I'd love that. But I mean, Sky will never do that. But mm. yeah, if I could, I, I, yeah, I, I'm well done. I'm very yeah. proud. Very well, proud. I mean, occasionally I'll flick across to CNN and some of those news things, but. To be fair, the, the content actually isn't that great. If there's a big story breaking, CNN just usually have the same content on, on loop. And it's only two or three times a year where there's some big thing that uh, mm. that you're that interested in. And it usually gets covered on the other ch- on, on other uh, networks anyway. And, of course, we can get things like Al Jazeera uh, through Roku Box and other, other um, uh, you know, through PC and so on. At no cost, of yeah. course, with the Roku box connect to the TV, that's that's good. That works fine. Yeah, I mean, the it's interesting you say that you're moved away from the, I guess, analog linear nature of television to the on-demand stuff because that is exactly where everyone's going. And, of course, now that we're moving that way, we actually, television broadcasts are now competing with YouTube. I mean, effectively, yep. they're competing for that five-minute, 10-minute segment of your attention span in the day. Uh, so yes, this whole move I think is scaring quite a few broadcasters at the moment to go to this sort of on-demand stuff, which is why TVNZ and I actually used the TVNZ on-demand service last night, I think, or late yesterday afternoon, and it actually worked quite well. It was very good quality. So I mean, stuff like that's really going to grab people. I mean, they'll go in and they'll consume what they need and then move on. So what I, what I'd be interested to see, I and mean, we might see if we can lend pull one of these, is get a PS3. If you had a PS3 in the Roku box with the Roku doing Netflix and your movies and, and having the PS3 doing the TV on demand, you could you could actually be quite interested to see, you know, that's your TV 1, 2, and, or 1 and 2 content at least all done. So, yeah, that that's a really, I'd be interested to know, see how, how you go with mm. that one. Um, yeah, no, it's probably probably worth worth a go because uh, that's something I haven't tried. Uh, is the t- is the TVNZ on demand uh, stuff through a PS3? Now, so. if they put if TVNZ could put that into the Roku tab, uh, then I would seriously look at dropping my Sky as well, actually. And yeah. apparently, it's not that hard to fire up a Roku tab mm. to get one designed. So, yeah, uh, mm. but the thing is that there's there's not a huge number of Roku's in New Zealand. No, is there? so no, no. it's not targeted at our market just yet. No. So, um, but but there are you know, other devices like the Xbox that you know obviously is a great a great streaming device. In fact, it's somewhat surprising that um, that we can't get the TVNZ or TV3 on-demand uh, type content through Xbox. But I'm I'm guessing there's some sort of licensing uh, partnerships. Type, you know, there's a, there's a special deal they've done there mm-hmm. to help you know maybe sell the uh, PS3. But it is it is a partnership thing, and I think it's also the broadcasters have to realise that's a device that's growing. Yes. And and the funny thing about it is that you you don't as a broadcaster you don't normally think of gaming consoles as your target audience, but as the Xbox and the PlayStation become more of the central home entertainment systems, then people are starting to get, like TVNZ are doing, putting their on-demand channels into the PlayStation space. I wouldn't be surprised if we start seeing that heading into Xbox at some stage. But, I mean, they they own large, the largest set-top boxes on the planet, above Roku's, above all these other devices, because they're just everywhere. I mean, they're just so popular and so prevalent. Oh, can I go into a rant later on in the show no. around this article that I read in the weekend, this, this, the papers that I was texting you guys about? You that, better tell us about that now. Yeah, go on. So this Muppet wrote this article. 
on the, you know, I, this, I, I hope he's listening. I hope he's listening. On this, uh, on the Sunday Herald uh, was about uh, the lounge and where it's moving and everything. And all he's done is gone down to Harvey Norman's at Dick Smith's and grabbed a Apple TV and, and some other device from there, um, which I like the Apple TV, so don't get me wrong. And he's just written a really, really poor article of where the home is currently going and what's going on. And he's pulled out an old touchscreen device that was like a year old. He had the old HP 600 series there. And I'm, and I'm just thinking, you know, people are going to read that article and think this is where the, the future is going. And he wrote what he thought the future was going to be. And his whole future was built around Google and Google TV and the search. <laughs> and I'm sitting there going, have you ever used it? He's obviously just put out the marketing blurbs from some Google marketing flyer. And I'm just thinking, you know, any of the home cinema stuff now, whether whatever the product is, all works on that 12-foot screen analogy, whereas if 12 feet away, you should be able to operate the device clearly and, and have good aesthetics and everything like that. So he hinted on Google itself. Yeah, that was his future. His right. future was Google. All around Google TV, Google search, everything will be Google-based. And at the, currently at the moment, um, he didn't even mention, from memory, he didn't even mention the Xbox as a device. He mentioned Microsoft had Connect. Um, he really pushed the Apple TV being a, um, he called it a live streaming device which I found sort of not quite correct because it's an on-demand. You pull your content. It's not really a live streaming device. Um, and he just really, it was very poorly thought through to actually try and communicate what's going on because those type of things influence consumers' buying decisions, right? Well, good luck trying to find a Google device that works. Oh, no, no. It's, <laughs> in terms, uh, of, uh, in terms uh, of television. And especially in, in, in New Zealand. Exactly. Market, so. oh, no, it's, and, it's, very, it's interesting. I mean, you know, Google do have a broad reach, and you know if they can if they can improve their product, then it does have a potential to do well in the market in the future. But you know, right now it's um, it's been it's, a failure. It's pretty much been a they been seem to be a, tanking a, a lot of things major, these days. Major failure. So, uh, but you know, there's a possibility to turn it around. But yeah, that that sounds um, it was just, sounds bizarre. I was I was ranting to you guys online. <laughs> yes, I was having, but it was just crazy. I just look if you're gonna if you're listening and you're gonna write an article, do your research. That's all I ask. And if you give an opinion off your research, great. But don't sit there and miss what's going on in the market out there at the moment. Or at, le- or at least at least call Brad, because otherwise he's going to slate you on the NZ Tech Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was a bit of a light slating, to be honest. I was. I've been polite because I've got told to calm it down a little bit. Yeah. So. I think quite a few broadcasters, though, are actually looking at being more ag- device agnostic. I mean, they're trying to get their broadcasts into multiple platforms so let's not hinge on the google let's not hinge on even microsoft tv was a yeah. um, a bit of a swing and a miss oh it was a failure so i mean yeah you don't want to get into that paint yourself into a corner of a product and then go oh you know we spent all this money and it's just now nothing and no one's buying it you want to be in as many products as possible so you just want to you, you don't want to play with the hardware. You just want to play with the distribution. And the experience. And, and this is, I go back to the whole 12 foot, a 12-foot experience model, right? Wherever you are, you know, if you, write, if you write any articles around that type of experience for the lounge, the product is agnostic because it's got to meet those requirements. Um, and they also talked around how um, TiVo had been a massive failure in New Zealand, which... Yeah, it just hasn't really taken off. No, nah, TiVo has been a huge failure. You didn't, you didn't use TiVo, did you, Paul? No, no, and and the people that have used it have had various products with the stability of it, and I mean, yeah, yeah, I think it varies according to that. You know, uh, you know, each user will probably have a different story on it, but I think the overall feedback hasn't been particularly positive. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd have to say from uh, those those I've heard from and, and talked to that have got it, it's a TV recorder. 
Yeah, cool. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you you had some fun this week, haven't you? You've been out socialising for the NZ Tech podcast. Where where where's the one you went on um, down at Britomar? Uh, so yeah, there's been a few bits and pieces on. Um, UB have launched their new sort of um, uh, what would you call it? Their sort of showcase store, I suppose, down at down at Britomart and the new um that new space down there with some real sort of premium or high-end uh, retailers starting starting to launch. So who, who is Yubi for people that don't know what they do? So Ubi used to be called Magnum Mac, and they're a, they're a retailer that, that uh, sells technology, but with a real sort of creative focus. So if you go into their store, they're showing off... Um, they're showing off the latest in terms of uh, digital camera type technology, software for you know graphic design and creating. Uh, there's a whole bunch, you know, a whole bunch of products, but their focus is around uh, leveraging technology to creative things. Cool. And as are they PC, Mac, and um, Android based, or are they predominantly Mac based? Yeah. Well, that's the interesting thing because they they're, they're telling a story that hey, you know, our, our you know we've come from Mac, but go, you know going forward we're we're much bigger than that. But what I was surprised was that it looked really like an Apple store or a, uh, what an Apple retailer. You know Apple retailers that I've seen in other parts of the world, uh, not you know an Apple branded store, but you know retailers selling Apple products. It was very it was you know quite typical of those in the regards that I didn't sort of see you know, some fancy Windows-based machines and that sort of thing there. It was very, very Apple-centric. But, I mean, I, I like it. I think this is cool. I think it's neat that we're actually starting to get these stores telling a story and doing it. Um, you know, it'd be great if they start showing other products. You know, it'd be great if they start doing PCs and, and Android devices to do that story as well when when they meet, obviously, the aesthetics and everything else and the usability they're after. But, mm. no, I, I'm at GoYubi. I will, will, I'll definitely pop down there in the week and have a quick squeeze. Yeah, no, it. it's, it's a cool store. And, I mean, they they definitely put on a pretty cool party and, uh, you know, good good music and all the, all the rest of it. Um, and as, as part of that, one of the things that they showed off were these exclusive um, – iPad uh, covers that these are really re- this is really pricey uh, stuff, uh, but basically that have been hand you know handmade and so on. So if you're if you know someone who just you know you can't find something cool enough for them and they've got an iPad, you get them one of these iPad covers. They're up to three hundred and fifty dollars <laughs> a piece. Shivers. <laughs> so so, uh, so I can buy my H HP Mini always that much. What you're joking me? No, so they um, probably cost five dollars to make. So too. quite pre- well. One of the ones that they had uh, were from the uh, from the Cut Collective, and these ones have been handmade, and there were only ten of them. So um, yeah, but there you go. Interesting stuff. Not something I'm going to be buying. I can assure you of that. Um, For but, Christmas, um, Paul, I know what I want now. There, there's there, there's <laughs> obviously an an audience that uh, that that is into this sort of um, you know this flash designer trendy gear, but uh, yeah, it's I don't know. I, I I mean, I went into JB Hi-Fi a couple of what, about a month ago, and the whole front of the store was just iDevice accessories, and it was skins and protectors for every color shape. It was just like. Well, that's where the Seriously? retailer makes the money, though, yep. right? Because uh, you know we know that the that the way that Apple operate doesn't give a lot of uh, profit back to the retailer for selling the Apple product. So the way and uh, somebody s- selling Apple equipment, 
makes their money is on selling actually accessories and other bits and pieces. That you know, I think that that's just that's just how how it is. Unless they sell a huge amount of Apple product, uh, it's probably not a particularly profitable space to be in. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the HP Web OS device, I mean, uh, we were talking about this a little while ago. Is that you go on to eBay and stuff, and there is just thousands of accessories now that are up for sale. Oh, no. You know, the, you're right. You're 100 percent right. Is that the accessory range for any of these tablet devices is where people are making their money? Mm. You know, businesses live and die by being able to create cool accessories for iPads, Android devices, and obviously the now defunct Web HP um, Web devices. You know what? We're going to have to have a NZ Tech podcast uh, iPad cover. Oh, that's a good idea. Okay. Well, let's talk to UB, see if we can get one done. Yeah. Oh, bright yellow with the light. Oh, I like this. Oh, I'm going to pop <laughs> hey, in there. Well, hey, look, if everybody else is in the game, we might as well get in the game too. Just hey, for look, us. we're going to ask our listeners feedback. Would you spend $350 oh. on a, uh, It'll be uh, handcrafted by Paul. Case. Hand signed by Paul, Brad, and Skip. <laughs> yeah, handcrafted by Paul, so it, um, it may stay connected yeah, to we might, We might get $3 for it, guys. <laughs> uh, but hey, um, yeah, it's good good to have new ideas coming out. You, you're you a really creative bunch, I've got to say. Now, our competition, just uh, an update. We've, we're have we in the middle of running our uh, HP touchpad giveaway competition. Uh, now, last week... Due to some technical difficulties, our podcast did come out quite late. So based on that and the fact that the details of the competition haven't been out there too long, we've, um, we're going to be running that through until the next episode. Oh, that's good. So next, uh, next Tuesday, uh, 5 p.m. around that time will be, the, uh, will be the cutoff. So what does that make it? The 13th of September will be the cutoff uh, for our HP Touchpad giveaway. Uh, it seems that these touchpads, despite being pulled uh, from the market, are in hot demand, as anyone will see if they uh, go for a wander around Trade Me. I've seen these things selling bef- between four and $500 now. Oh, really? Um, so, uh, yeah, people are pretty keen to get their hands on them. And I noticed that uh, Android, uh, there's some builds of Android that yep. are now starting to um, make make their way through that people are testing um, the last build they actually had Android running on the touchpad, but ah, oh, you couldn't actually use the touchscreen to uh, to navigate around the device. So they obviously got it starting up, uh, but the the ability to actually use it properly wasn't <laughs> isn't there yet. But uh, I guess that's all part of the process of so that would of be getting there. That would be the Android Photo Frame OS, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> something like that. The borderless version. <laughs> now, uh, is it Microsoft in a gun? A Again, in and this is the same um, issues that Android and or Google and Apple were having around location data on their handsets. Have you heard anything about this, Brad? Yep. Yep. So this is the first time they've been uh, taken to court. So a lady in the US has uh, taken um, Microsoft to court around what she's saying that even though you click allow. When you install an application, just like you do with Android and iPhone and obviously Windows Phone, mm. she's saying that even though you click not allow, it still collects your data and where you're going via GPS, which is the same case that has gone against iPhone users and Android users. So, uh, yeah, for me, I, th- I, I think we, we wanted to see where this was going and what's going to happen because there's basically we put all the, um, the manufacturers together of smartphones that are all getting hammered with pretty much the same type of issues at the moment around user data, GPS location, and Wi-Fi sniffing. I mean, they're basically collecting all this data and what's going on with that data. So 
Um, and then to, you know, Microsoft obviously responded saying they take privacy very ser- seriously and all the other da 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 the, the the legal bits that go along with it. But it'll be interesting to see what it, where this one goes. So pretty much, if you look at the big three now with Windows Phone, Android, and iPhone, they've all got cases taken against them in various countries. Big around three, the big three. Well, they're big. They're three big companies. Yeah, the big three. We, we, won't, we won't talk product market share at the moment, but um, anyway, sorry, keep going. Thank you. I had to throw that one yeah. in because because I, I yeah, three big companies <laughs> that um, will basically and so they've all been taken to court at the moment around this location and this GP and this privacy and the data around it. So um, from what I've read, there's been no one actually been able to access the data. So. Whereas with, I think, the Android or the iPhone, someone's written an app that allows you to track it. Is you it? definitely can with the iPhone. Okay, the iPhone. Yep. The, the, this is all, she's obviously got something to back up her statements, which is fine, um, but they're just trying, she's taken the case. So, yeah, it's all happening over there around this location and GPS and smartphones. Mm. No, it'll be interesting to know what the real the real facts are because yeah, it's all a bit light at the moment. The yeah, articles are yeah, out there. There's not a there's not a there's not a whole lot of evidence around that. So uh, yeah, but there's a whole heap of devices that do the same thing, like GPS devices. Yes, sure. But and when I, they're powered off, they still keep track of you and they actually record. You don't even know they record. You can go and pick up a GPS off a um, secondhand dealer or whatever, and you can go back and look at some of the logs and those if you had the right tools. Yes, so, and sorry, I got one thing wrong. It's to do with the camera. GPS location setting when you start your Windows phone. Just so I clarify the exact point. When you start your Windows phone, you set up for the first time and you open your camera, it says, do you want to allow tracking data, 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 so you can you can put that into the images. And she, that's, the, that's the particular app she's um, she's taken the lawsuit against. Sorry, okay. just sorry to be specific yep, on that one. Yep, uh, that's interesting. Now, what's happening with the iPhone Oh, we chatted, got... <laughs> we chatted last week that uh, one of the local websites had had given away a date of 9th of uh, October that it was going to be launching. There's been a few dates bandied around, but we're starting to really see all the signs that that a new iPhone is coming through, which I mean, is pretty much expected. Oh, it's, not, it's, not, yeah. it's not big news. <laughs> but... And they've got this great marketing ploy at the moment where they leave their iPhones in a bar. It's the first sign that an iPhone is it's coming. It's true. It's a new way that Apple does <laughs> yeah. marketing at the moment. It's, it's like... kind of their new way of announcing a product. Rather than give a keynote speech, they, uh, <laughs> they go to they, a bar, they go to a bar and, and leave a phone there. So... Seriously, iPhone employees, why? Why do you leave prototype phones at a bar? Why even take a prototype phone to a bar? So the latest update is the San Francisco police will con- um, have confirmed that they have been involved at tracking down this device, and that it, so it is a real story. It's not like a made. But they're up. saying it's a device. But then the uh, the yeah. document that they sent out, they didn't confirm what the device was. But the document they sent out was called iPhone Five Dot Dot. <laughs> what 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 did that tell you about who what sent this that out? The so police or the Apple? police sent out their press <laughs> their press thing saying this is what happened. Uh, and uh, you know they wouldn't confirm what the device was, but the file name actually had iPhone iPhone five in it. It's so, the best marketing ever. You know, Honestly, I don't know what what Apple paid them off to uh, to, to do this, but yeah, it's just hilarious. I would have loved to have been at the Apple head office when they saw that one fly through. They must have thought, oh. Around. But it's all, all, all publicity is good publicity, right? Yep. We're talking about it. So of you know, countless thousands of blogs and and other media around the world. So yeah, Apple definitely know how to how to play the uh, the PR yeah, game. But I mean, as sure as the share price falls, an iPhone device is born. 
<laughs> I mean, that's just simply it. I mean, they will always be producing a new iPhone device to keep the masses interested and the um, share price up. I mean, it's just... They're masters. They yeah. are apps. I mean, Apple is brilliant at, at, at getting a product to market and also marketing that product. They're, they're absolute geniuses at it. Really, really are. So. And this now, may be the last iPhone device before they go back to the Newton. Now, talking talking about <laughs> genius, uh, Sony's latest uh, move around talking about oh, their network. They're yes. now saying that their gaming network is. Wait for it. Hack proof. Oh, <laughs> now what? Let's, let's translate. Is that. there anything? I mean. Can anything be hack proof? I mean, even the no. CIA get hacked. Uh, that's that, a that's an invitation that sort of claim to anonymous and all those other groups to go and hack it. That's what that is. Now, what what they've what they've done is they actually have maybe secured the network a little bit, but they have invested billions of dollars in monitoring, and they're going to catch you. <laughs> that's all they're going to do. They're going to try and catch you, because yeah, that's just like asking for someone to come what and burn it? your house down, A re- red flag to a bull or something. Exactly. Yeah. It's just the, some of the stupidest things. Just keep under the radar. Don't worry about it. Yeah. No, I think that's very, very uh, silly to go broadcasting that your network's hat-proof. And I don't know if this actually makes much difference to the consumer because people realize that most of the internet's been hacked in the last six months anyway. Um, so why stress that you're hacker-proof when everyone realizes, you know what, let's just move on, Sony's back up and running, let's just continue playing games, let's not stress too much about it. I mean, surely they haven't lost that much market share. And in fact, I actually saw a report the other day that said that, uh, especially in this region, PlayStation 3 is higher selling than the Xbox, supposedly. So, I mean, they're surely not suffering any downturn from their uh, recent hacks. And just by sending out this message, it's kind of like, well, please come and hack me. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty unusual uh, manoeuvre. I, I mean, I don't. I think it's unprecedented. I don't know of anyone else in the world who is making those sort of claims around their networks. But I oh, imagine, no. I imagine what Sony are doing though is saying it's this. It's not everything. They're not saying Sony nowhere can be hacked. They're saying this particular service is being produced in such a way uh, that it, you know, that it can't be that it can't be hacked. And I guess it is possible to have a subset of, you know, of an organisation's network that is highly unlikely to be hacked. Yeah, it's, um, it's generally stored in a concrete bunker with no cables going into <laughs> it. But, I mean, yeah, just it just seems a little bit like the, um, the arrogance has kicked in a bit at Sony. And um, I, I don't know if I think that's a great thing. Because, I mean, in the past, it seems to have been... I mean, the, when they first got hacked, there did seem to be a little bit of arrogance that came out from the Sony uh, board and stuff like that and the way they handled stuff. And it's kind of like maybe they've uh, licked their wounds and now they're sticking back into arrogance mode. I, I don't know. It just seems like a dumb move, very dumb move. Yeah, I, I agree. I think you, you don't you don't be that arrogant to try and say it unless you're trying to cat. You're going out there and saying they're fishing. We want to fish you and, and capture. So mm, interesting. Um, but yeah, but well, well, I certainly hope they don't get hacked. That's all I can say. Oh, I've, cl- um, I've killed off my Sony accounts. So <laughs> yeah, but time, time. Yeah. All right. Ne- next topic. Um, what do we got happening there, Brad? There's um, some open source news around Ubuntu. Yeah, so um, obviously as the world moves to the cloud now, um, Ubuntu has got a new version that is out in beta at the moment, so version 11.10. I am going to try and pronounce this. It is Wanrico Octic. I know. And what this is, is this has been developed to be a new version of a cloud-based um, operating system with Ubuntu. 
Um, it, as I mentioned, it's out right now. Um, the, the, the color that they've given it has been like an asparagus color at the moment. So it's, it's through it's throughout the system. It's, it's, it's a greeny color. Um, and they've also announced that their beta dates of when they're going to be hitting. So beta 2 is going to be the 22nd of September with the final release on the 13th of October. So they've got a really, really quick turnaround time on getting their release cycles out. And I mean, this thing will be uh, live on the at the end of the October for live production use. So um, it's been something in the works for been about eighteen months. It's using that code base, but this is their first cloud-based platform. So it, everyone's moving this way, it seems, at this point in time. And Ubuntu's now getting on the bandwagon. Yep. Oh, it's good. It's good. It's, it's good. good. Um, yeah, yeah, I think it's great. That's oh, good to see. Now, uh, VMware had their um, their conference last week. Yes. Now, Brad, you're uh, you're pretty active in your uh, in your day to day work in the uh, the virtualization space. Yes. Other than um, Microsoft sort of making a little bit of a mockery of uh, of VMware with their VM unlimited uh, videos that were were video that was going around, <laughs> and was that not funny or that what? Was genius. That was quite quite entertaining. Um, were, was there anything else that you sort of picked, that you came across from last week that was sort of a major? A major step forward, you know what? What's their what's their play in the market? They tend to use their annual conference as a chance to sort of highlight their uh, their differentiators. What what did you pick up? Look, with any of these type of conference, whether it's Microsoft, Google, Apple, or even VMware's, they'll throw a gazillion stats at you, right? Mm, and mm, I mean, mm. so they threw, you know, there's more live migrations done than planes flying in the year, and da da da. But all this sort of stuff, it was all around vSphere five. That's that product range that's coming out at the moment. Um, they're really trying to. They've obviously been acquiring like crazy a lot of companies over the last twelve to eighteen months to start building a full integrated stack to compete against Microsoft. So from email right through to the System Center or Microsoft System Center product range, so management. So they were talking a lot around that. Um, they've obviously tried. They've rolled back. Well, they've halfway rolled back their new licensing model, which caused a massive uproar in the community out there. Um, they they have not changed their their statement that unlimited means you pay more. So they've got to fix that up. That got a lot of negative feedback over in the US. But overall, they were just really really pushing home the um, vSphere five and the messaging around that. It was heavily into that space at this point in time. Um, and they were like I said, they were doing a bit of damage control around the licensing changes. Okay. Oh, well, it's, it's I mean it's it's good to hear a little bit about what's happening there. Uh, I mean. We tend not to within the NZ Tech podcast dive too much into these, uh, you know, heavily technical yeah. um, business products. Uh, but you know, I guess it's it's similar to in the consumer space around uh, smartphones and tablets and so on. It's great to see that we've got a competitive market and that the technology is being pushed forward. Oh, they're a leader. I mean, VMware are, are a leader in the space. They're absolutely, don't get me wrong. they are the they are the current incumbent top dog. And then you've got Microsoft and Citrix and a few open source platforms chasing them right now. Mm. Um, and, and you but know, but the fact that there's that chase going on that is pushing them correct. to really you know work hard rather than just to you know to sit back because uh, you know they absolutely need need to do that to uh, um, you know stop from um, losing their market share basically. Yeah, as we've always yeah. said, competition is good, and I think mm. we're going to see it in the space as we move forward for those that enterprise and data center space. So excellent. Now, obviously, iPhone, um, we've, we've chatted about. We know there's quite a few uh, Android devices starting to or, co- you know, continuing to come out. 
a number in the tablet space. We've seen, uh, you know, in the we, we we had the discussion last week around the patent issues that uh, Samsung are having with the the Galaxy Tab and so on, and in, uh, in Europe and in Australia. Um, although those seem to have successfully uh, been moving into the the local market here in New Zealand. Yep. Uh, but also in that uh, mobile space, we've got Windows Phone 7.5 with a Mango release. Now that's uh, seen its first um, the first handsets announced from um, HTC. Yep, late it, last week. So that was a yeah. big unveiling in uh, in London. Yep, they look cool. They look really really cool. Did you guys have a look at the um, the videos and bits and pieces? Yeah. What what was interesting is something that uh, I imagine that HTC will probably follow up with their Android devices. Is you know I've I've got a um, a phone here the HD seven from HTC which has got a big four point three inch screen. With this new handset, they're going one step uh, one step further, and they've got a four point seven inch screen on on a mobile. What it's do you guys tablet. What do you guys think about that? I mean, I'm actually finding this four point three inch one is really really good, and I you know I have no problem at all with the size. And from guys that were actually at that launch event who were sort of thinking this is going to be ridiculous, that extra half an inch is just going to push it over the top. Um, but the the sort of feedback I got from people was no, actually, actually it does work, and it's uh, and it's a really good size to have a device. If you're doing web browsing and other things on the device, it just makes it that much more practical. What do you guys think? So my only problem with Windows Phone Seven is it doesn't seem to use the full screen real estate of the phone. There's always that black bar around the right hand side in the top there. If you're going to have a bigger screen, I want it to use more of the real estate that's on the on the screen. Now everyone's going to be switching on their phones at the moment. <laughs> yeah. So if you, I think that's that's only just the home screen where they've got that particular sort of uh, live tile design where you've got that space around it, and that's I guess just the aesthetic they're trying to create. It's a visual thing. But if you get into the apps, I mean the apps are more full screen than in other platforms. You know, it knocks out the space at the top where you've got uh, signal strength and. Uh, you know, time and so on. A lot of the apps will actually uh, obliterate that and give you full screen for your games and and various other apps. So um, that's that, my that's, thing. That's yeah, that doesn't hasn't concerned me, but you know, particularly. Uh, but that that handset from HTC um, is the uh, Titan, and it's also the first um, the first Windows Phone to be made entirely out of a single piece of aluminium, which is that sort of unibody thing that Apple have done yep. on their um, uh, MacBook Pros. And the first uh, Windows phone to have a one and a half gigahertz uh, processor and an eight megapixel uh, camera. So it's a, it's a reasonably specced up device. And I was just confirming that I could actually, this was public. Um, it's also the first one to show a front-facing camera. Yes, yes. And that's a big thing. We have not had any devices do that at this point in time. No, so I guess that'll be there for Skype and for you know for various other uh, other bits and pieces. Um, that that's gonna, that's yeah, you've got that front facing uh, yeah. camera capability. The other thing which um, which I heard from uh, one of the guys that was at that event was um, this feature of being able to do tethering or Wi-Fi hotspot that wasn't in Windows Phone before. Uh, but one of the chaps that was there had a look on one of the demo devices and there was indeed an option to turn on uh, Wi-Fi hotspot capability 
uh, within these new uh, these new HTC handsets. What we don't know at the moment is whether that functionality will be pushed back to um, all or some of the older devices, uh, the existing ones in the market, such as the um, the Trophy that's it's most common here, HTC Trophy in New Zealand. Uh, or whether there are some limitations there around which carriers will make that functionality available. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's good to just have that uh, that confirmation that that capability uh, is certainly there within the operating system. Um, so I hope I hope that gets turned on more broadly rather than, uh, you know, rather than being fairly limited. Now... What else have we got? I think we're uh, we're coming to sort of towards a um, a bit of a, a close. There were a couple uh, couple more topics that uh, that came through in the news um, this week. Uh, now, in the Apple space, something we discussed in the past was this new uh, Final Cut X product that came out. Uh, Around the time of uh, Lion, it didn't get a lot of good publicity, did uh, it? No, and it and it was a sort of change in. It was basically a, a, a newly built version of the Final Cut product, aimed really at consumers. And at the time, they ditched their more professional oriented version, Final Cut Studio. Now Apple have started making that one available again. So I think there's a, oh, there's really? a few happy people out there that were. You know, uh, you know they'd built businesses around Final Cut Studio, and suddenly they were told, "No, we're not selling that product anymore. Just the consumer-oriented ones." So, uh, I think that that's definitely uh, that's good news. Uh, the other product that's just landed uh, on the Mac is a uh, new version of Parallels. I think it's version seven of Parallels Desktop. Oh, wicked! And that's the uh, emulation uh, software. Uh, or virtualization software that allows you to, you know, for instance, run Windows on your uh, on your Mac. So that's um, that's pretty cool. Um, and last was at the IFA conference in Germany. Uh, there was a new 55-inch glasses-free 3D TV that was announced. That's apparently due out in uh, in December. So. I mean, it's been we've been talking about this for a long time, and we've seen some devices here on the podcast in the studio, such as the uh, Nintendo 3D, yes. 3DS that lets you, uh, you know, operate or you know, it displays a 3D view without having to wear, you know, some freaky glasses. This, as far as I'm aware, is the first TV to come to the market that actually does that as well. Right, to the market, yeah, that's that's probably the key word, because there have been yes. other screens. If you do a tour of the Boeing factory in uh, Seattle, for example, you see a 3D screen there displaying engine parts and all sorts of stuff. So there's, there's only one small problem with this whole thing. It's 8,000 euros. Yeah, but you save yourself 90 bucks on the, 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 um, uh, the on glasses. The glass. so, 8,000 euros. If you have maybe 100 friends that come over, that's what? There's a saving right there, isn't it? For having to buy more. <laughs> it's 8,000 euros. So it's a euro at the moment. It's about 50. So we're looking at around about. 16k Kiwi. 16k, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it's pretty. Add, good. add on GST, and you're you know probably uh, 18 to 20 grand, and you could uh, get yourself one of these new TVs. But I guess when we'll, we look back, when the 40 inch TVs were launched in New Zealand, they were between 20 and 30k. But now they're uh, you know they're under a thousand dollars. So I guess if this has come out, you know, coming out now, give it a few years, and you know if it works well. This could be mainstream. Yeah, could be true. mainstream technology. The question is, will it work well? Uh, interestingly, this screen has a resolution which is quad HD, so it's 
four times the resolution of the current HD screens that we see today, uh, which is, is I guess, also part of the reason for that high cost. That's ins- just insane. Three, is, what can 3,000... 840 pixels by 2,160 pixels. So It'll be good if you have the Hubble telescope lined up in front yes. of it. You'll be able to see high def. But, yeah, I mean, that, that just super seems... super high def. If you are really, really ridiculous. close, that's going to look stunning. But Seems ridiculous. Now, I, I saw some of the other day where uh, Sony even were admitting that uh, some of the, th- the, the, the 3D sales has not been so hot. Um, no, well, it, well, it, I mean, it just it just hasn't because there's not a lot of good 3D content to watch. Do you no, want to put glasses I, on every time you sit down in front no, of your TV? No, I disagree. I personally, I think the 3D experience needs to stay in the cinemas. Yeah, That's my gut feel. I I was in a, yeah. a 3D cinema experience the other day, uh, or a while back, and I remember this lady in front saying, "This is so cool. We're gonna have. To, we should get a 3D TV." And I thought you're gonna be so disappointed because the experience in a theater is very high def very large, very immersive, full surround sound and everything, you're going to take this experience back home to a 42, 50-inch screen? I mean, unless unless you're sitting on an ottoman in front of the thing with <laughs> about a foot away from it, you're not <laughs> going to get the same experience as IMAX, you know? Uh, even, even sitting on the ottoman two feet away from it, I don't think it'll be quite the same experience no, as well, IMAX. Is, but but that's, that's it. I mean, we, we, we get a very... We get misty-eyed about 3D, and when, when we actually sit down in front of our TVs, 42-inch especially, and just look at it, you go, uh, maybe I, I agree. So I'm, I'm not particularly enthused about 3D myself. I haven't you know, bothered to get a 3D TV, 3D projector, any of that stuff, because, yeah, it's just not, it's it's not that exciting to have right now. And as you say, you know, the movies, you know, the top movies that have got 3D, well... Hey, you're going to get a much better experience in a cinema. So yeah, I, th- I, th- I mean, I think let let's give it a bit of time and we'll we'll see how things go. But uh, yeah, right now I, d- I don't think it's something that where it's going to. You know, I'm encouraging people to sort of dive out and get get 3D. Where it's going to rock is if they actually get 3D into sports. If they can get 3D into sports, US have got that already. Yep. Um, and the Olympics uh, are being recorded in 3D. In fact, uh, I think they're re- they're recording Rugby World Cup yes, stuff in 3D. We're, we're showing it here in New Zealand. Um, Victor. But but you won't be able to. Um, you're not the broadcasters aren't broadcasting it in 3D. No, they are. They're just doing it in special venues. Yeah, um, yes, yeah. You could pay for it to go watch it at Vector and sit down and get your 3D glasses. Yeah, but IMAX what I'm saying well, is that the the broadcasting through on the mainstream on the TV channels. Isn't that's not in 3D? No, is it? only New Zealand, Australia, and England are broadcasting in 3D off our feed. So we're actually recording in 3D. We're just mm. not broadcasting New Zealand. Yeah. Um, but in America right now, um, every NBA, NFL, um, and I think maybe even ice hockey is all done in our 3D option via ESPN. And mm. uh, the Rugby World Cup is done in 3D everywhere outside New Zealand or a special location. I mean, you're not going to watch the news in 3D. Let's just be honest, eh? Yeah, Simon Dallow in 3D. No, not really. No, okay. Not so much. Yeah, we'll stay clear of that. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening in. Uh, if you would like to enter the HP Touchpad competition, please uh, jump across to nztechpodcast.com to collect the details there and then head across to facebook.com slash nztechpodcast to enter or you can also enter via Twitter and uh, and then just email your, us your, uh, your, your details when you've entered. Now, you can also find us on Twitter, which is at nztechpodcast.com. And if you're looking for uh, for any of us on Twitter, uh, you can find Brad. You're at Brad B O R 
Brad Boar. Brad Boar. Is your uh, your Twitter handle. Uh, Skips is at Urban Kiwi NZ. And my Twitter handle, very easy, is just my name, at Paul Spain. So thanks very much for listening in, and we'll catch you all on the next episode. Go the All Blacks. Oh, yeah. <laughs>